0: A look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Sunshine State. This is Florida Football Insiders, a part of the College Gridiron Coast-to-Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Jason Powers. Welcome back to the Florida Football Insiders. Appreciate you finding us on the College Gridiron Coast-to-Coast Podcast platform. Other outlets on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcast. We really appreciate you finding us. Remember, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or suggestions, reach out to me at JPO Sports. And you can also find all of our video interviews on my YouTube channel, the Jason Powers Sports Channel. All these YouTube, all the video interviews that we do on this podcast, as well as the Powers on Sports podcast. And the No Quarter Given podcast are all housed at my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. Subscribe, rate, and review for us. We've got a great episode for you this week. we got Coach Levitt again going to join us in our Coach and the Kicker segment. We're going to talk Scott Frost firing, the wild finish in Austin, Texas, the upsets galore, App State, Marshall, and Georgia Southern. We're going to also break down in-depth with Ian Hest. We're going to talk... Miami and Texas A&M, the showdown in Tech College Station on Saturday night. And then we're going to wrap it up with Mark Ennis, the host of 93.9 ESPN Radio in Louisville. He's going to break down Louisville and Florida State, which is Friday night, which is the ACC opener for both teams. Very interesting matchup, two evenly matched teams. So Mark's going to jump aboard and going to talk about that matchup. But again, Coach Jim Levitt going to lead off. You are going to like Coach Levitt's our conversation this week. We talk about lots of different things: coaching, firing, handling, taking over for as an interim coach, coaching decisions, all kind of good stuff. So stay tuned and check it out. Appreciate you finding us and enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome back, Florida Football Insiders. It's week three of the Coach and the Kicker. And we got our coach, Coach Jim Levitt, back with us. Former USF head coach, got his hat on backwards today, looking like a practice day. <laughs> We're ready to go to work. Linebacker coach, ready to go hit somebody today. Welcome back, Coach. <laughs> it's good to
1: be back, Jason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well a, well, a weekend we didn't think was going to be a very entertaining weekend in the college football world turned into it be a pretty, uh, pretty exciting weekend. We had ups, huge upsets. We had a coach get fired and all that. Let's start in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. Scott Frost gets relieved of his duties on Sunday afternoon. Uh, They lose lose another tough game Saturday to Georgia Southern, team they're supposed to beat. So Scott Frost let go in Lincoln by Trev Alberts, the AD. You know, interesting thing here is Nebraska could have waited a couple more weeks, and if they wait a couple more weeks, they would have saved about $7.5 million on the buyout. But they didn't. They they pulled the trigger on Sunday, um, Coach. Your thoughts? Just just the thoughts of when a coach gets fired. Forget about who it is. Just when a coach gets fired in season like this, especially this early in the season.
1: Just how does that how does that resonate through the football program? Well, it's you know, it's tough. It's hard. You know, I I I've been an assistant when that's happened, and um. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different dynamics. Sometimes if things are going really bad, you have an interim head coach come in there and the guys start rallying behind that. And, uh, you know, it's they just want to get away from the drama. They end up doing better, you know, and uh, that happens a number of times. You know, uh, Scott's a very good coach, obviously, did a great job at Central Florida. And um, he just, for whatever reason, you know, struggled in Nebraska with the expectations. Doesn't surprise you that they let him go because Georgia Southern coming in there and beating them and you know they I think they played North Dakota, it was tight in a controversial game, you know, over in Ireland. And and then, you know, he's been there I, I don't know if this is his fourth year and but I you know, I, I believe they probably negotiated that out. I don't know if they paid the whole seven million. Um you know, Scott cares a lot about Nebraska. He played there and sure. you know, really connected. So I don't know. I right. certainly haven't you know but I'm, I'm assuming I would think that he probably talked to uh, Trev Alberts and they just you know, worked out something and and probably just for the program's sake how
0: does how does i know you've been in that role as an interim coach before how does that conversation happen when the ad or whoever comes to you and say hey coach we want you to take over how do you present that to the football pro- team how is that first you know how do, you, how, do you, how do you
1: present that to the football team moving forward? Well, you just be honest with them. You know, you just, you know, you don't, you don't hide behind anything. You know, I, you know, it's, um, you just honest with the players. and you, you, you state the facts and where we're at at that point. And, you know, that it's not about you as a coach or the staff. It's about us as a, as a you know, right. a, quote, family, uh, you know, and, and try to bring everybody together. And, you know, everybody wants to win. So that's still a common goal. Sure. And how do you do that? You know, and, and, uh, you know, go about, you know, the ways you, you, you think it, you know, what, what it takes to win ball games. And, uh,
0: you know, how much, I, how much do you try to change whether it's the routine, the, the schedule? Do you, as the coach, if you, maybe you think, hey, I, I wish we were doing things a little different. Do you make those changes immediately or do you kind of stay status quo on how things have been going? How, how do you, how do you handle that as being when you're in that role?
1: Well, you know, I, I haven't been in the role that Nebraska is in right now. If I was, if I was taking over that program right now, I, there's enough time there. I'd, I'd put in right. the way the program, you know, and if it wasn't the way it was, it was set up before I would change things. Okay. I would, abru- I would abruptly change things uh, and um, do it to what, what I'm comfortable doing. And, you know, with the way I like to go with, through practice schedule and uh, with the meeting schedules and, Sure. Uh, everything i i i would do all of it and i'd make sure that i felt good about the staff and sure. who's on that staff that that they're on board also right and if you need to make some moves there do it you know because it's all about the players and the team and the program it's not about one individual and uh you know but no i would i would i would uh i would do what i felt like i needed to do to put ourselves in the best position to win ball games because because the interesting thing here in nebraska is you're only
0: 0-1 in the Big Ten. It's not like you're 0-3 and, and it's over. you are still got a shot to win that side of the Big Ten, theoretically. I mean, you still have a chance to do some damage in the Big Ten to get to, you know, you, you're not going to be playing for the national title probably, but you still have a chance to win that
1: side of the division in the Big Ten. Well, sure. Well, the main thing I'd focus in on is uh, just play better football. Right. You know, And, uh, you know, focus on the next game you're playing and that's it. I wouldn't even go past that. And but I, I know, I know one thing there'd be, there probably would be a lot of changes if I was there, you right. know, and um, just, just because I'd want to do things that I'm comfortable with.
2: Sure. you
0: know? Sure. All right. Let's get to the, speaking of the upsets, what a weekend for the Sunbelt conference at conference USA. You got Georgia Southern going to Nebraska, you got App State going to Texas A and M and winning and dominating, and not not just winning that game; they dominated that game. I watched a good bit of that game. They they played really well. And then you got Marshall going to the Holy Grail of South Bend and winning up in Notre Dame. All places I know you know, and pl- places you probably have coached in. Talk about the the giant killers over the weekend.
1: What a what a moment it is for those programs. Well, what's interesting is everybody talks about this NIL. Everybody talks about paying these guys all this money. I don't know how much money Marshall paid their guys. I don't know how much money App State paid.
0: Right. I don't know how
1: much money Georgia Southern paid them. I mean, right. to me, you know, it's uh, you know, it's still about bringing your team together and uh, having a good plan and making sure the guys play with confidence and realizing there's a lot of parity out there, you know. And um, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I watched the Marshall game quite a bit because uh, Lance Gidry was, was uh, my secondary coach at Florida Atlantic. And I thought he's, I, I think he's a great coach and he's really good coordinator. I uh, did a great job. I texted him afterwards and um, I just, I watched that game and I thought they just, they were, they were better. They, they just outplayed them. Yeah. You are State. I saw some of the highlights of it. and They dominated. Same. They had the I ball.
0: Mean, they held the ball for 40 minutes against AM. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and these are in hard places. Going into A and M, going to Notre Dame, yeah. Georgia Southern, going to Nebraska, Bennett, Nebraska—that's not easy to play there, and um, or it shouldn't be. Uh, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's remarkable, really. The, the biggest thing that stood out to me was I started thinking right away: NIL. What the heck is all? Yeah. And everybody talking about trying to pay all these players, right? You know these these guys. You know, I don't see any buddy making millions of dollars at Marshall probably or those other schools so. and you've
0: and you've been involved in, you, you you've been involved in some big upsets as well at usf you've gone to Florida State and won. you've won at Auburn I mean you've you pulled some monster right. upsets when not not I know not an upset in your mind but an upset in the national media's mind and perception of mine. Yeah, what, what, mine, mine too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know go, was was remarkable I and I didn't think about again like I said about winning and just you know play great football you know and uh you're right we you know, we beat West Virginia a few times here you know, fifth in the country twice and Petrino came down with that ninth Frank Louisville team and beat them 56 to 12 and you know you get, you get your guys you, your guys get you know they they come together and they play with confidence and they realize that they can beat anybody if you if you play good football yeah, people don't realize the so, football, certainly. Yep,
0: yeah, people don't realize the margin between the Notre Dames and the perceived other guys is not that big. There's not that big a gap when it comes to teamwork, when it comes to effort and com- chemistry. If you're, if you're, you've got those things, the margin between the Notre Dames and the, and, and the rest of the guys is not that big.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. You know, your, your Alabamas might be, you know, if it's what's, like, you know, iowa states i mean they're, those guys are kind of almost in their own world right now but um and you know but they you know their coaches do a good job not you know just you know sometimes those teams they just feel like they're going to win and they don't prepare as hard during the week maybe and right. uh, that's human nature you know but you no know, we you know when i was at south florida we we honestly felt like we could beat anybody we really did it provided we put in the right work, had a good game plan, uh, had good quarterback play, protect football, like I said, and, and uh, kicking game was big, but just get us into a position to win the ball game. And, and uh, you know, and you know, we, we did it a number of times. And, uh, you know, we didn't always have the better players. Right. There, there's no question. I mean, we probably right. didn't have all the better players, you know, but but we were talented, though. You know, we absolutely. recruited hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Gainesville. Kentucky comes to town last Saturday night, a very impressive win by Mark Stoops. You know, everybody was all uh, super excited in Gainesville after they beat Utah. You know, Richardson played really well against Utah. Kentucky comes in very business-like. They win a hard-fought defensive game 23-16. Richardson struggles at quarterback, doesn't play nearly as well as he did the week before through a couple interceptions. You know, for everybody who everybody raised Anthony Richardson to the to the mountaintop, He's only started two or three games in his career. You have to give the guy time to grow into the position, don't you
1: think? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, – none of us want to say that, that though. Uh, certainly, you know, <laughs> it's all about getting – but I was really impressed with Kentucky. And, you know, Mark, Mark Stoops, his first college job, was with me at South Florida. Uh, we didn't play okay. – he, he, was, he, was uh, he was part of putting those trailers together. Uh, the, the old Ponderosa, whatever they called it, but, <laughs> um, but Mark, uh, Mark's done a phenomenal job, you know, and then Mike Stoops is with him, his brother, uh, I just port Atlantic went up there to coach linebackers. And I was just very, very impressed with Kentucky, uh, just in, in every level, you know, there, there are some things that they had, a, they had, some they were in some adverse situations in that game, but they just yeah. stayed steady just kept playing the game one snap at a time. They, they were the better team. I, you know, uh, like I said, I thought Utah was a better team when they played Florida, but Florida got the win. Uh, but I was very, Kentucky, I, I really was, they're, they're both welcome. Kentucky was just better and I had a really good plan. I thought they, uh, I thought they did a really good job. I was impressed.
0: No, they had some special, you know, this teams. is a pro- I, Go ahead. They had some special teams blunders. Kentucky, a couple bad snaps for a safety, another bad snap on a field goal. I mean, they overcame some stuff in that game that easily could have gotten them blown
1: out in Gainesville. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, when, I used to tell the team all the time, you know, you're, uh, you're going to go through adversity in every game. It's going to happen. Just plan on it. It's who can handle the adversity and who can deal with it and get through it is um, is a big deal. And Kentucky did that, you know. And, um, you know. But I never, I never wanted players to get in a situation where when adversity comes, they're surprised, you know. And they're not, you know. Oh my goodness, you know. You've got to have your leaders stand up. You, you still play one play at a time. Yeah, you you believe in the plan. You play with confidence, and you get through it, you know. And again, like I said, every game's gonna have adverse situations. You just, you gotta, you gotta get through it.
0: All right, I'm going to bring coaching. coaching question. Florida's down seven with about eight minutes to go. They go for it on their own 40-yard line. They've got timeouts. They're only down seven points. I was a little surprised Napier goes for it on his own 40 with eight minutes to go. Then he goes for it again on his own 28 with four minutes to go with his timeouts. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to look at that and, um, you know, those are tough situations I guess I you know uh I don't know if I would have done the same thing but again I don't want to question him and right players and their their game plan and all that I I I think that you could have a little bit more patience with the with the game yeah um realize that you can do an awful lot with very little time and um you know to, believe in your defense and you know, that they'll get the ball back to you. And they were playing well. The defense was playing well. I know. I know. They they were. But it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to know. You know, you're not in that locker room. You're not there. And you've got to make those decisions as a head coach. And it's a very lonely world. you got to, <laughs> you got to make go with it, and, you know. Uh, but you also have to, you know, anymore with all the social media and the, and the press, you've got you gotta to explain why you did it. You're accountable to your team and to are them.
0: Those, are those collaborative decisions that you're at all asking the input of your offensive coordinator at the time, or is that strictly your call as the head coach to go or uh, not go?
1: Usually my call. I didn't really. I mean, I I was always listening and talking to the staff. You know, as we got ready for those those situations, I saw them coming up. But you know, you just gotta make it. Right. A, lot of time, a lot of times, there's crickets in those uh, headphones. <laughs> uh, What do you guys want to do? Nothing, (laughs) because they don't want to make that decision. So a lot of times you have to make it on your own.
0: All right. So all right. So the Florida drops to one and one again. Lose our SEC opener. We're going to talk about Florida USF this week in uh, in just a few minutes. But again, a couple other notes around the state of Florida. FIU loses. FAU wins big. USF beats Howard convincingly. Um, you talk to you? Did you talk to your buddy Larry Scott
1: at Howard this weekend? No, I text him. I just you know okay. text him. You know, good luck with the game. I knew I knew South Florida would win that game, but and I and I'm not really a surprise that it was 14-7 at halftime. Right, I, right. You know, because Larry's, you know, that's a big deal for him. Uh, South Florida just got done playing BYU. Right. I mean, it sounds crazy. You would think their players would want to come out unglued, but it's Howard and human nature again. So that didn't surprise me, but South Florida did what they needed to do. They won the game. Right. And, uh, you know, moved on. You just want to move through that game and, you know, um, and just get, you know, get ready for the next one. Let's talk about the,
0: let's talk about backup quarterbacks, Texas, Alabama, the the, Texas has played really well in that game. The quarterback gets hurt. The backup comes in plays. Okay. He doesn't play bad. He plays well out. Texas loses a heartbreaker, at the gun there in in Austin. Talk about the backup quarterbacks as far as how much time do you – does a head coach give a backup quarterback reps in practice during the week percentage-wise? I know the NFL, the starter gets probably 95% of the reps. How do you guys handle that at the college level as far as giving reps to your backups?
1: Well, you know, you say you had sets of eight, um, and then, you know, with your offense, you're going sets of eight, eight, six. You know, you might – the starter have the first eight next four and maybe depending on where you're at and how you feel uh you're probably going to give your backup maybe 30 40 percent of those snaps okay. but again it depends on where you're at and you know you want to make I mean, everybody talks about the third quarterback he he probably gets no reps ever you know maybe maybe if you keep him after practice a little bit and right. have a little bit of damage for the young guys you know you'll get him in there but uh you Know the backup's never going to get as many as a starter, he's just you know, he's just got to be ready to go. But you better, you better have him ready, he's most important position on the field. And uh, and I thought that was a, really quite a game. I didn't watch all the game with Texas and Alabama, but it, it showed me that Texas defense did a great job. They did, and they had the quarterback sacked to, to really to probably win the game. And he got underneath the you know, guy you can't. We used to always tell those guys, when you're coming off the edge or you're coming through and on stun or a blitz, you can't miss a layup. Right. Always he miss a layup, and he did. Right, and it cost him the game. Um, and the, but you got to give quarterback credit; he slipped the tackle and got the ball out. And that's got to be for you. That's
0: got to be the frustrating part. You call the perfect defensive call right. with the with the corner blitz. You have them dead to rights, and the kid just can't get them to the ground.
1: Right. And, and, you know, the quarterback did a really good job being elusive there. Um, always, but yeah, he just he used to say you can't miss a layup. That's the deal. And, uh, um, but what a game. And there's some real controversy in that game. No, Yeah.
0: And I hate to bang on the officials, but there were two or three pretty rough calls in that game that all went
1: against Texas. All of them. And, uh, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought Texas was probably the better team. And I agree. In That particular game. Um, but you know, what's Alabama won? You know, however you do it, you get to win, and so that's survive in win.
0: advance, Coach. Survive in advance. That's right. That's exactly right. Woo. All right, listen You're- to the Florida football insiders with head coach Jim Levitt, the coach in the kicker segment, presented by Beef O'Brady's, Hanks Barbecue, and uh, Home Slice Pizza Company. Go to Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush and Himes. And uh, go enjoy their uh, beautiful new remodeled restaurant over there. Go over there for Thursday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, whatever your needs are football-wise. They got a great setup there over there on Beefs, O'Brady's, on Himes and Bush Boulevard. I know a guy you know, TJ Maloof, a guy you know owns that restaurant. So go (laughs) see TJ.
2: Appreciate
0: him being involved with the podcast. All right, let's get to Central Florida. They lose to Louisville on Friday night, a game everybody kind of thought Central Florida was going to win. Louisville looked terrible the week before at Syracuse. They come into Orlando and beat UCF.
1: Your thoughts? Well, you know, it was a heck of a game. Um, You know, Louisville's quarterback's been around for a long time, and uh, it seems like he's been there forever. But he, um, you know, and he's inconsistent with some of his throwing, but, you know, got it done at the end, and, you know, they held on to win. Uh, it was a big, big win for Louisville. They needed you know, that they, one. They, right. They that win. And, you know, now Central Florida goes uh, to FAU. Yes. Interesting, because Willie Taggart, you know, was at South Florida. Yeah. And that role became pretty intense. Like, you know, uh, and uh, they kind of went back and forth in those games. So, that'll be really interesting. And Florida Atlanta did a good job against Southeast Louisiana to win that right. one big. they Yeah. Momentum, they got some confidence after losing to Ohio on the road. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting game. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be real curious to see how that uh, how that plays. I really really am.
0: And the game's at FAU. So, again, you're not going to have any problem getting the crowd jacked up because they're, another Florida team's coming to town. Those kids right. will be all amped up because I'm sure a lot of those kids think, hell, why didn't Central Florida recruit me? Or why didn't, you know, whatever. Why didn't I get recruited by those guys? How easy is it to not even have to worry about motivation in a week like that with your kids when you know you got another in-state rival coming to town?
1: Well, yeah, they're all going to be fired up. They're all going to be ready to play. I I think that's going to be a heck of a game. I really do because, you know, Florida Atlantic's got the quarterback from Miami to transfer. Yep. been there for a while now, and uh, Orlando's the defense coordinator at uh, FAU, and he's got a good resume, and I know Kevin Patrick's there, and, um they've got uh, they've got good coaches I I think it's going to be one heck of a game I really do I'd be surprised if one team blows out the other I think it'll be real close and and don't be surprised if South Florida doesn't hang in there with Florida for a little bit okay honestly they've got enough seniors they're going to go to Gainesville the um I, I would not be a bit surprised to see that in the second quarter being pretty close I think Florida will Eventually, move away from South Florida. You know, probably in the second half, and maybe they'll. I don't know if they'll get going like BYU did, right at the beginning. Uh, You know, who knows? But I would not be surprised to see South Florida kind of hang around a little bit. You know, that first. And and yeah, if you're
0: Jeff Scott, this is the kind of game. Again, not that you not losing the game is not the worst thing in the world, but you can't get blown out by forty or fifty points. These are the kind of games that you know, from a from a program perspective. You want to show the fan base, hey, we're we're making progress. And again, doesn't mean you have to win the game, but you don't want to get beat fifty-five to ten.
1: Well, it's going to it's going to come down to defense a lot, you know, on the, uh, you know, at South Florida, and uh, and you know their DC is again has a good resume. He, um, you know, I don't know how good all their players are, and I don't know the scheme, but that's going to be the key to to even hang around with Florida, trying to, you know, trying to keep you know from running around
0: and ruining the game right and you got to score I mean say what you want Florida's showing they can play defense If you're South Florida you got to score some points you got to get creative on offense run a trick play something to to generate some offense because I mean again sounds like they struggled
1: a little bit scoring some points early in that Howard game especially right and uh, yeah they, well they've had some struggles on both sides of the ball you know it's only it's only two games so you know it's it's not like you're in a conference race you know they've they got to focus and play good football against Florida, no matter what. Then they go on the road to Louisville. and Then they got East Carolina coming in and that's going to be, you know, where yeah. they got to be ready then. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to watch, watch, see how that, that game plays out. But like I said, all the time, when we beat all those top 10 teams, you know, our defense always rose up. Right. It was really, uh, uh you know, to, to because you're going into a hostile environment. It's uh-huh. got to, it's got to, they get, they got to, they got to play, you know. They just do. We always talked about that, and they got to carry the lunch pail and make sure that their uh, defense is on uh, to give you a chance because it's so hard for offense to get going right away right. in those environments.
0: So Florida State hosts Louisville, who just, just beat UCF. Interesting game Friday night in Louisville should be a really good game. Florida State coming off an off week. Did you like? Did you you think an off week this early in the season is good, or do you would you have rather kept playing if you were Florida State?
1: Uh, it doesn't matter. You just say it's good because that's what it is, you know. And <laughs> uh, sometimes you'd rather have a little bit later, maybe. But you know, it is like I said, it's that's when the off week is, and and Florida and Florida State might need that. Going to Louisville, Louisville was a really hard place. You know, Petrina was head coach there when I was in South Florida. Right. Did not beat them there. You know, we we played them four times. We beat them twice. They beat us twice. Uh, but we didn't beat them in Louisville. They didn't never beat us in Tampa. But going there was always a challenge. We, I felt like we definitely should have won one of those games. We were, we, we were up in the fourth quarter and lost the game. But um, tough environment. Um, it's a huge game. I, I want to tell you, this game is going to tell, tell, tell me a lot about Florida State. Right. And kind of where they're really at and what kind of team they really have. Uh, cause you know, and, and Louisville, same thing. This, this is a huge game for those two teams.
0: And it's a conference game, the conference right. game for both. So again, you're right. Florida state, two road games in a row. So you really have to, you really want to see where you're at. It's Again, I am with you, especially, especially with the way Louisville was perceived after the first week. And then you go to central Florida and win. So they've righted the ship a little bit. It seems like so very important game in, uh, in Louisville this Friday. It's a Friday night game, not a Saturday night game. All right, let's get to the marquee game of the week in the state of Florida. The Hurricanes head to Texas A&M to see the Aggies and Jimbo. You got Miami was a little sluggish against Southern Miss, probably a kind of a look ahead kind of situation. You got an opportunity here if you're Mario. Jimbo's gotten beat; they didn't look very good. You're probably going to get a great effort out of A&M, but there's some hope if you're if you're Mario
1: looking at the film saying these guys can be beat. Oh, well, I think Miami's going to win this game. You know, because I like their quarterback. Yeah, I, I think they're and they've got a lot of hype going right now. Texas A&M is kind of—he's got to rally those guys now, and that is not easy. And um, if Miami comes out early in the game and really establishes some defense and 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 just moves the ball a little bit, I I believe Miami will win this game. You know, I uh, I don't know how good Texas A&M really is, right? Uh, but Every's got some momentum and I, I'd be surprised if Miami doesn't win. I'd be surprised.
0: Yeah, and AM's got some quarterback questions they have to answer. They're not sure what they're gonna do with quarterback. Again, you're you'll probably get the, a great effort out of AM just because of the way they played last week. But you're right. A lot of young kids playing, a lot of young guys where Miami's a little more of a veteran team. They clearly have the better quarterback, which in this day and age of college football, it means most everything in a lot of places. But but yeah, I, it's it's a great opportunity for Miami. To springboard their start of their season,
1: yeah, and I think they'll go in with some swagger, and I think they'll go in there with great confidence. And like I said, I, I like their quarterback, and going into that, you know, I mean, you know, Av State went in there and uh, and and beat them soundly, like you said. And um, I uh, and this I is the kind of game, this is the kind of game the
0: last five or six years Miami hasn't been able to win. They've played close. This is the, like Florida State against LSU. You got to win these kind of games. You can't keep having moral victories.
1: Right. And and we always talked about that even, you know, when I was at, at South Florida, you know, I don't didn't want to go in there and just play somebody close. That didn't right. It didn't do me. It, it didn't, that wasn't it. Because right. a lot of games like this, they go in and they play close and they lose. You know, that's why you love seeing the Marshall, the, uh, you know, the App State, the Georgia Southern, they go in and win. That's right. You know, and, and that's the thing that South Florida's got to realize too. I mean, not saying they'll happen this week in Gainesville, but you know, if those programs can do it, you're located in Tampa. Yeah. There's no reason. No reason that South Florida can't can't build a, a very powerful program. It's just You did it. There's, there's you no did it. Huh? You did it. Well, did it. we 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 won some games, you know, we uh, we were close. You know, we we're close to, to doing. We did some good things, but you know, but uh, there's no real reason. It's, it's Tampa is Tampa, you know, and you can't ask for a better place to recruit to and get players and and do it. And I'm and I'm sure Jeff's on his way. And this will be a big big game for them just to play well against Florida. and, You know, see what happens. All right, last thing I'll get you at. I want to ask you a, a couple. I want to how how did
0: you decide end of your playing career at Missouri? How did you decide you want to get into coaching?
1: How did all that come about? Well, I did. I wanted to play. I wanted to keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what okay. was the next best thing? Was you know, honestly, was was coaching. Okay. I kind of fell into it, and um, and after forty years, i was still in it. <laughs> so, you know, but I'd much rather play than coach. But did you have any opportunities in the NFL or Canada? No, I I didn't. I. Uh, I, I could, I could just like the four interceptions. We could kind of embellish and say some things. <laughs> that, but I didn't. I just, you know, I was a good, solid player in college, and that was it. And played a little bit more baseball because I played both those sports, but, okay. but not football. That didn't, that didn't work out for me. And, um, uh, but that's okay. You know, the coaching ended up having a, you know, I mean, really, to be in as long as I did, and to, and to be in places I was at, and be involved. Yep games is most people don't I don't have those opportunities so I'm I was very fortunate so you were a quarterback in high school
0: really pretty good quarterback from all indications you play safety in college how do you decide that you're going to be a defensive guy versus an offensive coach
1: because I threw four interceptions against riverview (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I just that's where they put me as a GA I, I play defense so I end up staying there and you know, I, I believe in defense and defense and kicking game. Most of your guys in kicking game are from the defensive side because you're taught how to tackle, you can run those kind of things, and mostly safeties and linebackers. So you're really controlling almost two thirds of the whole deal. And um, you know, I just, I just, I just love defense. But I, you know, I enjoy the offensive side too. So there's, there's no question. But I just spend all my time on defense. There you go. All right, got, folks, we're going to get into more again, X's
0: and O's. And all, we're going to get into three, four defenses and four threes and advantages and disadvantages in future weeks. So stay tuned. Every week, the coach and the kicker, former head coach Jim Levitt, doing a fantastic job once again. So you like you like Miami this week? Who you like in Florida State, Louisville?
1: Wow. Uh, uh, tight one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida State, but I don't – boy, that, that's a toss-up to me because it depends on how – it depends on the play of the quarterback, Louisville's quarterback. Okay, you know, consistent he is, and how, what he does on third down, and how if he can protect that ball, that would be real key. But it's going to be a close game. But I kind of give Florida State the edge. I do too. I think Florida State will find a way to get it done
0: <clears throat> in Louisville and be off to a good start for Coach Norvell. So, Coach, thanks for the for the good good chat. Have a great week, and we will see you next week on the Coach and the Kicker. All right, see you Jason. All right, talk to you soon, Coach. Bye bye. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra 125 Put $200 in, you get an extra 250 So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. College football and NFL football fans, we know that the season is cranked back up. Are you looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices? Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partner, partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN events as an official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA and NFL football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of the football season live and in person purchase your your tickets directly securely and at the best prices on the secondary market with the ticket smarter mobile app or at ticketsmarter.com we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts take five percent off your purchase of one hundred dollars or more with our promo code gridiron22 That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just a one-time use. Use it this week. Use it next week. Use it Thanksgiving week. Use our code as many times as you want this football season for the best selection of college football and NFL seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections, pricing now, with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter. Ticket smarter. Are you ready to profit this NFL and college football season? Do you need picks to profit with your sports gambling outlet? Reach out to Picks to Profit at 813 542 7559. One flat monthly fee of $100. No more, no less. You will receive six picks every week of the college football and NFL season. Point spreads, totals, prop plays, teasers, maybe even a parlay. You'll get all six picks emailed and texted straight to your mobile device on game day. Let us do the work while you profit. Picks to profit, 813-542-7559. All right, welcome back to Florida Football Insiders. You just heard heard from Coach Jim Levitt breaking it down from Scott Frost, all the action over the weekend. Now we are on to week three. Miami, we are going to get into the Miami Hurricanes. Miami's got a big showdown with Texas A&M. Not as big a showdown as we thought it was going to be a week ago with Texas A&M getting slapped down by App State. But nonetheless, it's still a high-profile matchup. And Miami will be traveling to College Station this weekend. Mario and the boys, and no better person to talk all things Miami Hurricanes than with Ian Hest. Ian covers the Hurricanes down in South Florida for us and Ian's back on the podcast to break it down welcome back Ian hey Jason good to see you man first off before we get to the Miami Hurricanes what were your thoughts on Scott Frost I know you have some history there uh, covering Scott a little bit so talk to me about Scott Frost
3: yeah I covered the Huskers for a while I mean I it's sad because at the out start of this you thought it was a match made in heaven you know Scott was the prodigal son who was coming back home and um, really, it just it never got rolling uh, just from the start. I mean, even pre-COVID, when those first couple of years, there was a lot of excuses for four and eight seasons. And um, it, it just seemed like it, he never got going before it ever started. A lot of excuses were made. Not a lot of um, action was taken. And I think in, in this modern era of college football, yeah. Nebraska is in, in an awkward situation where they really need to come into a, a bit of a reckoning with where they are and what they're doing. And uh, and from there, hopefully, uh,
0: once they can diagnose fully the problem, they'll be able to find solutions. I give Trev Alberts credit; he easily could have sat on this for another couple of weeks and saved seven or eight million bucks. From what it sounds like, with the buyout and all that, he didn't. He he pulled he pulled the trigger. Yeah, he almost had to. The way they lost. Saturday night against Georgia Southern got Oklahoma coming to town this week. You couldn't let that program linger for another two or three weeks just to save seven or eight million bucks. I'm sure somebody in that program wrote a check for that diff for that money to help to help speed this up is probably what happened. You'll never hear that, but I'm sure that's probably what happened. Where do you think they go from here? As far as you know, you've heard all the names: Matt Campbell, all the different guys, those kind of those Midwestern guys. Mark Stoops, Kentucky, a lot getting a lot of pub. What's the kind of guy you need? Forget the name. What's the kind of guy that you need to have in Lincoln? Limited, limited recruiting access, things like that, to get players and build that program.
3: Yeah, Matt Campbell is an interesting one because he's always been that name that they've thrown out and never really pursued very heavily. That's a very easy solution. The only issue I think with that is it's a bit of a of the, the meet the new boss, same as the old boss, um, which is why I could see them going in a different direction. Uh, it, as, when it comes to the Huskers what they really in my opinion need to do is just finally stop worrying about the regionality of where they are you can't change your location right for too long they've been a little too uh too preoccupied with this and uh, instead just consider yourself a national program stop with the regionalization of it and really you know recruit coast to coast brand yourself coast to coast as you know embrace sort of the the quirks of being in the midwest and oh why do you want to go into the middle of nowhere in nebraska right i mean we saw just what oklahoma was able to do making oklahoma cool there is a blueprint for this nebraska is not very different than oklahoma we just throw them in two different categories because they've gone in two separate directions since they've both become national programs or since this new era of college football has happened so i think really looking at what oklahoma even maybe oklahoma state have done in the past couple of years Uh, would really be a nice blueprint for what Nebraska can do in the near future.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to your Miami Hurricanes. You cover them two weeks in. Saturday was a little lethargic. They looked like they weren't interested in Southern Miss, kind of looking ahead. One of those kind of games obviously happens a lot, but they won. They didn't get beat where other teams around the country looked ahead and got beat. So give Miami credit. They won the game. They needed to win. Through two weeks, give me – Give me just the, your general sense of, of the of the roster and how things are going for Mario and, through two weeks.
3: Yeah, I'd give it about a C, maybe a C minus. Okay. They, wow. they haven't played well in either game. They really haven't. Uh, both games, it took a little – while to get going don't forget they fell behind by a field goal to Bethune Cookman before running away with that one too so we haven't really seen Tyler Van Dyke the Tyler Van Dyke that we were expecting um you know Henry Parrish has really shown all the, the best of a workhorse back back to back weeks with 100 yards and a score uh the old Miss transfer so he's looked great in in establishing the run game but the problems on the defense that we we talked about preseason the linebackers haven't played well the defensive backs are inconsistent. When they are consistent, they play played phenomenally. Tyreek Stevenson showed that as much last week, but it, it really is very defensive line reliant. It's very heavy on how they're going to be able to slow down a quarterback. Um, and, and with Texas A&M, that presents sort of a unique problem that they actually did have a little bit of with, with, with Cookman, with a, uh, a scrambling type quarterback. Um, but But they are a little too reliant right now on that defensive line. And, if they're not going to be able to get pressure, it's going to be a shootout, and the offense hasn't performed well enough. I know that that sounds crazy with scoring 100 points in two games right. to say that, but the offense really hasn't played well enough to, to say that you think that they could be in a dogfight
0: like that. Do you worry about the – offensively, do you think it's a schematics thing or do you think it's a you, – do you think they just need to play better as players, wide receivers, and it seems like Parrish is legit at running back. We know what Van Dyke can do. Do they have enough on the outside and at tight end to, to be competitive against these upper level teams?
3: Yeah, I don't think that it I don't think that it's personnel. I, I do think that it is a little bit of understanding a new system, under, understanding what your strengths are. Tyler Van Dyke loves to throw the ball vertically down the field. You saw he's he's almost more comfortable with the deep ball than he is these little you know dink plays that they go with and, and relying on that speed to the outside. He likes to play vertically, and, and Miami sometimes, because they have so much talent, because they have so much speed, they sometimes get a little too cute, and they play horizontally instead of playing vertically. You've seen that happen the past couple of weeks. The, the good part about that is that that's an easily diagnosable problem. What you can do from there is, is very easily solve that. Quick slants, three-yard drops, getting the ball 10, 15 yards deep in the air really can change the dynamic of an offense very quickly.
0: And looking at the, looking at the landscape of the ACC, this, this, this conference is wide open. Clemson not playing great. NC state struggled early, you know, so this is a game. If they can win this game, they got a chance to, to make a run here, even though it continually get a little better each week, kind of, kind of program. They could quickly be in the top 10 here if they can win this game and they got a chance for a special year. I agree. Yeah. I think that, Really, I mean, UNC maybe has been finding their
3: own, which we didn't expect. UVA struggled more than we've expected. But I wouldn't say that there's any program out there, barring still at Clemson at the end of the year, that scares right. you. They're going to be favored every game of the way outside of this one and the Clemson game. So everything's still on the table for this team. And, you know, a, a lot of us were talking after the game because it was a noon game uh, uh, over the weekend that when you left there at three thirty, four 4 o'clock, you were feeling, oh, Miami didn't play that well. or they really up to the, the caliber of these upper echelon programs? And then you looked around the rest of the country and you saw what happened with Baylor. You saw what happened with Florida. You saw what happened, uh, you know, with, with, with A&M. All these, Texas A&M, exactly, A&M right, right after that. So uh, I think that after that, uh, that feeling sort of went away that said, oh, OK, like they still won by three touchdowns. This right. still was a comfortable win. Uh, you know, heading into the fourth quarter, so I, I think that, that there was a better feeling as the day went on than what was happening in real time. So if you would have talked to people in the second quarter, it would have given you a much
0: different answer than when they were talking to you that evening. <laughs> How do you think the crowd? I mean, obviously, you're gonna you're, you're with the way A played last week. You're gonna get a you're probably gonna get a best A and M effort you're gonna get because of the way they played in that environment. Do you think do you think the roster is constructed where? They're gonna have, they're gonna be able to have enough experience in that roster in that room to handle that crowd on the road in in College Station.
3: Yeah, if there's one thing that Miami Hurricanes are known for, it's loving to play the villain. I don't think that they're gonna have any problems going into a hostile environment. That's where Miami gives you Miami's best, right? So I, I think that they'll revel in it. I think that they'll really bask in the hatred that will come their way and and probably welcome it as the more the better. This is a, you know, one of those games where Miami, you know, it's a tired trope at this point, but is Miami back? We say again and again, this is one of those games. I know that they did lose to App State. They're now ranked in the low twenties, but uh you you really look at those games
0: and you win it. College game day was gonna go to this, right? So so um, now they're going. Now they're going to App State in Troy exactly. because of the upset, <laughs> right?
3: So, so these are one of those games that, that Miami fans and Miami players look at as that that staple game where where hey, remember us? We're we're still you know big bad and, and can make your season pretty ugly. Two things will get you out of here. Do they go to a And and win? I I think so. You know, I, I was surprised to see the line as big as it was, and. I almost take solace in the fact that they haven't put together a complete four quarters yet because you can't go in and say, "Okay, now we've got this figured out. You still do have that chip on your shoulder. And having the couple of poor starts that they've had really, I think, can behoove them uh, to, to go out in a hostile environment like this and make sure that they're on the front foot from the moment the whistle's blown. They've played much better in second halves which really is a testament to Mario because for the past decade, second halves have been the ire of Kane's fans. So the fact that they'll be able to, to go out there and, and hopefully from the very first play, very first snap, be able to, to be attacking the game, be the aggressor. I think that they, if they're able to do that, if they don't fall behind double digits really, like 10 early, if they are able to keep it close into the second quarter, and the second half, I think that they'll come out with a win.
0: I got to tell the audience, Ian's wearing a very South Florida-esque shirt. I like the shirt there <laughs> with the with the palm trees and some beauty. That is quintessential South Florida right there. Nine man. o'clock in the morning, and it's only 100 degrees outside. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Last thing, the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, a great debut yesterday with Tua, Tyreek Hill, Played very well against New England. Again, New England's not the juggernaut, but still, give them credit. They played really well, and I thought Tua played pretty well in that offense. Yeah, they they gave a
3: really great start. The other thing, too, that people aren't talking about, the defense played really well.
0: Yes. So the
3: fact that the defense was able to come up as big as they did, you know, they scored as well. They they, they matched the Patriots the whole game. I think that that'll be an underrated part of this team. Um, to to it just needs to be a game manager. You saw a couple of those balls that Tyree killed nabbed out that could have been interceptions. It could have been incomplete incompletions on third down. So as long as he's, you know, in control, this team has a lot of weapons around him and that defense, I think will carry them to be one of the better teams in the AFC. Watch out for them. I'm not saying that they're at the level of the bills, but they could give them some problems.
0: You saw the diversity of that wide receiver core with Waddle, with Tyreek Hill, the way they got on the ball, those speed sweeps, those outs, they're going to be a tough team to handle as far as on the outside with those, with those threats. And, and I like the aggressiveness of Mike McDaniel. He he went for it on fourth and eight from midfield right before the half, turned into a fifty-yard touchdown to Waddle. So I think you got a, You got a chance down there to have a good year on both fronts. Yeah, your bucks look pretty good too. That's if you can open right. put in the end zone, right? <laughs> that's right. I did. I did. So all right, Ian. Great work, man. Tell everybody where they can find John online. at Ian Hest
3: on Twitter. You can follow all the stuff that's going on there, covering the Canes this weekend at AM
0: and M uh, and all South Florida sports over there. No, he does great. He, also, he even covers some inter-Miami FC, <laughs> That's the, it. Uh, MLS, man. I see him all the time tweeting about that. So keep up the great work, man. The, I'm, I'm going to call you next time. I'm going to bring in is uh, Don Johnson from Miami Vice circa 2022. So keep up the great work, and we'll talk real soon, man. Thanks, Jason. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205 790 1-4-0-4. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado 813 538 Nine five seven two. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and marketing solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Uh, Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards? Everything in between. Reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the, the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and, print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Print and Marketing Solutions. All right, welcome back to Florida Football Insiders. You just heard from Ian Hess, give you a great breakdown of Miami and Texas A&M on Saturday night in College Station. Now we're going to go to the Friday night matchup in Louisville. So we're going to bring in Mark Ennis. He's the host of The Drive 93.9 ESPN Radio in Louisville. He's a Tampa guy as well. Yeah. And uh, that's right. Chamberlain Chief, from what I hear. Yep. That's right. So uh, welcome to the podcast,
2: Mr. Ennis. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. I'm looking forward uh, to this. Yeah, Jay Gruden fed uh, from Chamberlain to Louisville, and it was uh, right. sort of where it all started for me and my dad. So That's
0: right. Howard Schnellenberger, that oh, Louisville yeah. connection. Yep. Schnellenberger left Miami to go to Louisville and all that good stuff. So, All right, first question everybody in the Bluegrass State wants to know, <laughs> as we are filming this, taping this, we need a direct update. Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky on the volleyball court tonight. Give me an update.
2: We compete in everything in this state uh, because, uh, you know, Louisville's the biggest city in the state. So your neighbor, you know, the guy you go to church with, the guy next to you at work, uh, they you know, you never know which team they root for. But uh, they're, they've they're both taken a set so far. Uh, they've got a record crowd in Lexington uh, for this one. And we're in the third set tied at two early in the third set. I think they're going to go all five, man. They're even two years ago. Kentucky won the national championship last year. Louisville was undefeated and lost in the final four. Uh, and they're both back at it uh, here. I mean, ESPN put them on, put them on ESPN. So right, right. There's, there's an audience for this stuff. I'm Absolutely glad to see get, get it. You're
0: right. No, no doubt about it, for sure. Volleyball, women's volleyball is a very popular sport all over the country. And And, good and
2: stuff. in you know, in Kentucky, there's a lot of uh, really, really quality private school programs. And they they start them young. They've done, you know, decades of, you know, camps and, and club programs.
0: Absolutely. Clubs. yeah, yeah. Lots of club.
2: Everywhere you go, field hockey, same thing. Uh, and you just, you see, they feed right in both these schools. I mean, it's, it's what they'd love to both have in football, uh, the way that the locals right. uh, produce uh, for volleyball, for sure.
0: Right, right, right. And Mark also uh, is, does pre and post game for Louisville basketball and football. So we're, he's dialed into the Louisville Cardinals. We're going to talk all things Louisville FSU right now. All right. Louisville week one was terrible at Syracuse. Yep. Come back and play better and beat Central Florida. A lot of people thought that Central Florida was going to, would get them in Orlando. They did a good job, won a defensive game 20 to 14 in Orlando last Friday night. Just give me a
2: sense of the Louisville program through two games. Uh, it's uh, it's really mysterious, you know, what what to make of this team. I think the just how badly they played in the opener against the Syracuse team that they had really handled uh, – uh, they'd given up three points the past two games against Syracuse. And then to come out as I think flat and emotionally just sort of sluggish as they did. And to get pushed around the way that they did, uh, was really jarring to a lot of people almost as jarring as sort of how up they were for central Florida. Cause I think the scary thing for everybody was everything Syracuse has going for them. UCF had more, it right. was a rowdier environment. It was a, right. a, a more athletic quarterback. It was a bigger, stronger running back. And, and for a quarter Louisville was sort of, Still a little bit flat, but to turn it on the way that they did and to win a game, like you said, with the defense, I don't know that they've ever under Scott Satterfield had a, you know, a defensive game where the defense right. did the job for them. Uh, and I, I think they left that game with a lot of confidence that they can do that. Was it a, was it a product in your opinion of bad UCF or a much improved Louisville? I think it was, I mean, it was a healthy mix of both. I don't, I don't deny, you know, for a minute that UCF didn't uh, open fire on its own feet a handful of times, you know, right. in that one. Uh, penalties and, you know, drop passes, you know, that sort of thing. There's no question. Uh, but Louisville's not really even been. This has been kind of the bugaboo with Scott in these close games, just constantly on the wrong side of that sort of thing. It was weirdly refreshing. I don't think Louisville gets credit for it, but just to see somebody else kind of doing that stuff. Because right. It's kind of been the stuff they've been doing. So it was odd to see. And I don't know if it represents a turning point or not, but it was a change. Right. Quarterback Malik Cunningham seems like he's been there forever. You know, yes.
0: um, <laughs> since Lamar Jackson left. He's been there. Seems yeah. like and he has. So, you know, obviously a lot of promise from Malik Jackson he, or Malik Cunningham. He's had moments of greatness and then he's had other moments where he's not played very well. Yeah. What do you see in Malik this year? Is it, is
2: it a, does the scheme fit his skills well, or is it, or, or what do you what do you see with him? I think it's what they they want from him. You know, they would love to feel like they they can really really bring him along as a, a pocket passer who can run. Uh, and I, it's funny they say, I mean, all off season and preseason leading up to it, they really. We're talking like they have really kind of reached a new level with him. And then after the Syracuse game, they're like, we, we hamstrung him way too much. And we got to let him just sort of be free. And then against UCF, I think they played a lot more um, improvisational kind of backyard football with him. And, you know, the truth is, he's just better at that. And I think they've made peace with it. And they'll build around it rather than trying to square peg round hole, you know.
0: Sure. All right, give us, a little, give us a little overview of the offense outside of Malik Cunningham. Good running backs, good receivers. Tell us what they got offensively, offensive line-wise.
2: Got a, a very experienced offensive line. They played better, a lot better against UCF than they did uh, against Syracuse. I think they got really confused by Syracuse. Uh, but has done well against Florida State, but this is a really, really, really big Florida State defensive line. Like, they've not had like that since, uh, since Mike Norvell's been there. Uh, right. Really, really quality group of running backs, Shayla Mitchell won't play, but Tyon Evans, the Tennessee transfer has been as advertised. And then they got Jahar Jordan and Travion Cooley, who was uh, played really well against Florida state last year, be uh, pretty active. And I think in this one with, with Mitchell out, they love offensive line quarterback, the running back group, the, the inexperienced group that I think that they're really still searching for that deep threat. You know, they've had in Scott's three years here up to this point, two, two out. Well, and Tyler Harrell last year, guys that could really take the top off the defense, just blaze. They don't have a burner like that this year. And I think trying to come up with big plays in the passing game without that has been a little bit of a challenge The two games. Defensively,
0: I think you're going to see Florida State really try to run the ball. They got really good running backs. They showed they could run the ball against LSU. Travis played really well in that game against LSU. What does Louisville do defensively? Are Are they a blitzing team, more of a zone team? What do they like to do defensively?
2: Yeah, I think that's the the mystery for everybody because you can hold up the two game plans. Syracuse, they were very conservative uh, and tried to be, uh, you know, kind of a base defense, read and react. And then against UCF, it was just sort of, you know, Katie bar the door, here we come. They blitzed <laughs> virtually every play, you know, from the second <laughs> quarter on. I think they've, just like with Malik, it's like, hey, we don't have it. We got to let him be a freestyle. The, the defensive line is not disruptive all on its own. So I think what you'll see, either to get after Jordan Travis or to slow down the running game. What you saw against UCF, a lot of blitzing. I think they just they have to and and take their chances against Florida State's receivers and Jordan yep. Travis like they did with UCF. Now, I think Jordan Travis is a better passer than the John Rice Plumley. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, and so I think that that's not nearly as tilted a matchup as it was with UCF, but I still think it's Louisville's best chance to sort of slow Florida State down. I think that's what you'll see. Good DBs. Do they cover? Do they cover well as far as in the back end? Yeah, I, I think that's been the the part of the defense that they sort of sold us on. That's come to fruition so far. They they brought in uh, Jarvis Brownling from Florida State, okay. uh, and then three other transfers uh, from uh, Temple, uh, Middle Tennessee, uh, and, and then Brownley. And, and feel like with Keyshawn Clark back from his uh, ACL injury last week against UCF, you could see they're like, okay, we feel good about this. And then we're going to take our chances with everything else. And, yeah, they, they, they hold up. They did not give up. I mean, 2.9 yards for play in the second yeah, half with UCF. Right. You know, they really shut them down in that game. And I think you'll see – I don't – again, it won't be as one-sided, but they'll, they'll dare Florida State to beat them the same way. Absolutely. Pressure,
0: pressure on Satterfield. Is the fan base getting a little anxious? It seems like there's some heat on him. You know, I know he came with big expectations when he came there. Hasn't really met him yet. What's the what's the sentiment as far as the fan base goes, Scott Satterfield?
2: Yeah, there's a there's a, a lot of pressure on him, especially after Week One. You right. know, the, the Week One performance was really unnerving to a lot of people, uh, and there's a lot of pressure on him uh, to to just sort of show this is going somewhere, and not that you just sort of constantly be churning in these one score games and six and six. You know, people want to build towards something. He hasn't really given people that feeling yet, and then I think there's a lot of pressure on him in this game, Jason. The the thing with Mike Norvell's here's a guy that's one fewer year into the rebuild where he's at, right? Uh, with a quarterback that's that's been there for a long time now, right. and, and I think it would it would the optics would be bad if it looks like Norvell's further along and is doing more developing somebody than what you've got. You know, a year into it, right. so it's, I think there's there's a lot on the line in this one for Scott here, for sure.
0: I'm with you. I think it's a big game for both teams. I think Florida State needs to convince everybody that they they can win another game after beating LSU. Yeah, that they're really con- not that they're fully back, but they're getting there. Where the right. Louisville needs to prove that hey, we can beat the middle of the road teams in the ACC because both these teams are projected, you know, theoretically middle of the road ACC. But right. you never know. Well, either one of these teams win this game could could springboard one of the two to a good ACC season.
2: Well, and I think in the in, for both of them, there's the one last just to sort of follow up on what you were saying, they've both got a ton of difficult games after this. Like, this yeah. is one where you're like, if we're going to pick some up here and maybe meet or exceed expectations, we're going to make sure we get this one. I mean, right. Louisville's got Clemson, NC State, right. Pitt, Wake Forest, and Kentucky. Right. You know, Florida, Florida State's right. got Florida. They've got Clemson. They've got Miami. Miami. They've yeah. NC State. Like, they, there's no days off, really, for either one of them. They need this one. Uh, you know, if you're thinking postseason and progress, that sort of thing. What, how do you see the game going on Friday night? I mean, I think it's going to be a coin toss. I really do. I, I mean, I, I guess I'll lean Louisville because they're at home and they've played well against Florida State. But even as I say it, I can't help but think, like, that's <laughs> what I thought about Syracuse. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't think they'll – I think it'll be a lot like the UCF game and, uh, for Louisville, but I think it will really come down to how much better does FSU handle the the, the pass rush uh, and, and adjust in a better way than UCF did. I mean, I I think Louisville will win by like a field goal, but I I don't I don't think it will be a, a blowout in either way. That's that would shock me.
0: Yeah, right. All right, before you get out, of here, I'm going to ask you a basketball question. We're not quite hey, in basketball season, but we're getting there. Kenny Payne era in at Louisville starting. Just your thoughts. You know, the Chris Mack era ended pretty ugly there mm. the last year or so. You know, Kenny Payne's a, a guy they brought home, former player. Yeah. um Talk to us about the Louisville program coming up in 2022.
2: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Chris Mack, because I think it's kind of important to uh, Kenny is loved. I mean, truly loved and and I think has done a great job uh, from the moment he's arrived here. Uh, Chris Mack, you know, I don't think Chris Mack forgot how to coach when he got here, but fit fit matters, you know, understanding where you are and what the fan base expects and, and sort of the role that the program plays in a city like Louisville, where this is the pro team. There is no pro right. sports here uh, we all live and die. And I think Chris Mack got here shocked at how many people were paying attention to every little thing he did. And, and the job was just too big for him. And he was, you know, he wanted to coach basketball and go home and the Louisville basketball coach is a celebrity, you know, it, yeah. it's a celebrity yeah. and a Senator, you know, yeah. something like that. And, and Kenny instinctively gets that to the degree that Chris Mack did not. And so it's been a very good kind of PR run for him. Now, look, this first year, I think, is going to be foundational, just sort of program, uh, culture establishing, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. It might look a little bit rough, but I think you'll be able to tell a difference. And, and he has been a breath of fresh air for folks. So it's been a rough four or five years for Louisville basketball. I think they're sort of ready to get back to, to the way that it has been before.
0: All right, Mark. Great job, man. Appreciate the time. Again, catch Mark on three nine, The Drive. Monday through Fridays, three to six. You guys
2: uh you guys stream online as well. Yep, yeah. You go to ESPNLouisville.com and you can stream from us uh, from right there or 939leville.com.
0: Either way. And one. you'll see and you'll see Mark on uh pre-coach oh, yeah. game for Louisville football and basketball. Yep. And it's Chamberlain Chiefs. They're not having you know a good it. year, so not
2: having a good year so far, my man. No, it's the last year is the Chiefs, too, I believe. Yeah, they're
0: changing the name, but yeah. I, they did get a brand new turf field this year. So they got a beautiful, nice yeah. new turf field over there off of
2: Bush Boulevard. Love it. And our, we got a Chamberlain Chief uh, graduate, Brad Holmes, is the general manager of the yeah, Lions I, now. So I, I'll be, uh, be paying attention absolutely. to them for sure. Absolutely. So
0: keep up the great work, Mark. I appreciate the time and have a great weekend.
2: You too, buddy. Thanks.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to the Florida Football Insiders Podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Net- Network. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've not already done so. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at sports. Love to hear your comments and feedback about our episodes and any program suggestions moving forward. Check out our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Football Insiders Podcast.